This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund down in Corvallis, Oregon, where Oregon State defeated Washington 27 to 24 on a last minute field goal in front of an announced attendance of 33,733. And I think 30,000 of those were students. Kickoff at 610. We had three hours and five minutes of game time. Weather was 67 and sunny when they kicked off, but Got a little cold there towards the end of the game, but, uh, you know, just, uh, just a tough loss for Washington. You know, they started off slow and then they came back and you know, they just, they just couldn't hold on. And, you know, let's just dive right into it. That fourth down play, uh, you know, uh, they were either going to win the game or lose the game right then and there. And, uh, it didn't work. Yeah. It was difficult because, you know, it, it was hard to tell, and and I don't know what your vantage point was on the on the on, on the sideline, Kim, but it sure looked like they were having a lot of of success with with Kamari Pleasant and Sean McGrew running the ball in the Wildcat. That it's just something they had a lot of success with in the second half, and decided to go to. And then, you know, right on that fourth down, it's you know you see Sean McGrew on the sideline. It looks like he's getting tended to. I don't know if it was a shoulder, or if it was something, but they didn't have him in at that key moment, and. You know, I I didn't get a chance to talk to Jimmy Lake after the game. I know you did, Kim, but um, I'm wondering whether or not he was thinking about possibly calling a timeout then, just because of the import well, of the. Well, play. what he said, what he said makes sense. They're 100 percent on that play this year, and I think they were 100 percent on it last year as well. I mean, and, and has, with and with Eason and with Browning, they never missed on a fourth down. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, they never missed, and you know, Morris was perfect on it. You know. Um, he didn't get the push, um, you know, so, I mean, it's always easy to second guess. I mean, it's just everybody wants to second guess, but you know what? If that play works, you know, he's a genius. If it doesn't, you know, people he's call him for him to get fired. Yeah. You know? the, the thing is that I don't have a problem with the play call as much as I have a problem with the call to actually go for it. I look – Oregon State scored 27 points. That's three touchdowns and two field goals that they got. Every scoring opportunity they got came on possessions that started in Washington territory. They, they, their offense, when they were in their own end, they could not drive it on Washington. Jimmy Lake made a mistake. I think in hindsight, I think he would say to himself, you know what? Probably should have kicked it. But yeah, but um, you know what? I, I go back to, you know, when Sark was here, you know, and it, it's not, I know it's not the same thing, but you know, Tyrone sucked the soul out of those guys and didn't trust his players. And when Sark used to go for it on fourth, fourth down when he, his first year here, it was to show that he believed in his players and send that message. And part of that is Jimmy sending a message. I trust you guys. I believe in you guys and let's go, let's go play ball. And you know, it's fourth and one. They should be able to convert. They should be able to convert. So yeah. um, I was going to say and, too, real Kim, uh, um, Scott, the, the, the drive in the fourth quarter, 
that Oregon State started on their own 25 to tie the game at 24. Oh, yeah, you're right. Was, you're right. That's my but, mistake. But, That's but mistake. to be fair, all the other drives were in Washington Territory. The first drive was obviously on the Cam Davis fumble. We can talk about that. But that yards. was an 11-yard drive. The second one started at Washington's 42, so that was a 42-yard drive. And then the field goal uh, in the third quarter what started at Washington's 39-yard line. And then outside of the 75-yard drive to score to tie the game, obviously the final uh, drive for the field, winning field goal started at Washington's 46. So, yeah. yeah. That, that's my mistake. Now I look really stupid. I, it's late. Okay. No, but still, <laughs> but still the bottom line is, I mean, we can talk about this, that, and we can suppose these things because, you know, we look at Cam Davis's fumble and how big that was at the time. Well, now we can talk about uh, Fatui Tuatele's play and and Sam Taimani getting the same thing where they were able to score uh, on a six-yard drive. So, yeah. you know, it's just these things sometimes even out, but when it comes to turnovers, sometimes it really doesn't. It just so happens that in this game, the turnovers kind of did uh, even out in the Even end. though it wasn't a turnover, that the fourth down was basically a turnover. Yeah, and, for yeah. sure, and, and I'm sure that the, the coaches will look at it flat out as a turnover, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and Scott, where you say Jimmy Lake made a mistake, I'll respectfully disagree. I don't mind going for that. I'll never – going for it on fourth down on a play call that, you know, you've had a lot of success, you know, and the struggles that they've had and on the road, I like the call. You know, Yeah, just, and I, I like the call too. I, I don't have any issues with the call too. I just want to make sure you got the right personnel in. And yeah. you're right. They were 100% in. I get all that stuff. But what had you had success with in the game? What were you getting four, five, six, seven, eight, nine yards a play on? It was the Wildcat, and it was the Wildcat with McGrew and Kamari Pleasant. And if McGrew wasn't available, which it did, it looked like he wasn't going to be available. Obviously, get Kamari Pleasant in there, even if you have to spend a timeout. But, but, but Chris, if you take you take a look at the you take a look at the stats on the Wildcat and the quarterback sneak. That's the first time they haven't done this. I, I get it. I get it. Tim, but when the game's on the line, when you're in that, you're in literally the highest leverage situation you can be on that play. Yeah. You know, the other thing is, too, and I, like I said, I'm down on field and I'm unable to see and I didn't get to talk to you guys or anybody else during the game. Um, how early did Kalepo go out and Ole go in? That's right. Uh, I saw you mean Bulo. You mean Bulo. Yeah, it was Bulo. Yeah, and it was I think it was like in the second quarter, second quarter, second quarter. Yeah. And, and I don't know. what It, it may have been fairly early in the second quarter. But, yeah, um, that change happened. Definitely. It. It pretty, didn't make early a, in the game. Yeah, it didn't make as big of an impact right away. It took a little while, but Ale was the one kind of that they were pulling to to get a lot of those runs by McGrew and and on that drive that that ended up on the fourth down. He was he w- they were running right behind the left guard on several of those plays. So no, they didn't they didn't show the replay. They, they're terrible showing replays down here, by the way. But on McGrew's touchdown um, run, um, did the thirty nine yarder? The thirty nine no, no, yarder. The short, the short one after the after. No, the that, was that was Bainavalu. That was Bainavalu. Well, it, it looked like was it Bainavalu or Ali? Did one of them actually pick up Sean McGrew and yeah, carry him? Pretty in much Bainavalu. That was Bainavalu. Yeah, just carried him in. Yep. Yeah. It was a bush bush times about ten. Yeah, because yeah. I'll tell you what, the the guys on the Oregon radio were just going nuts over yeah, that. They, so. they can't they can't pull, you can't him, pull him, but you can but push you him. Can push him, and he basically lifted him and pushed him in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He said he just, you know the big guy just basically picked him up and 
carried him into the end zone like a loaf of bread. But yeah, anyways. it's weird because it, when you pick him up and lift him like that, it looked like part of it looked like him. He was pulling him to get to get him to the point where he could push him. So yeah. I, I don't know where you draw. Where do you draw the line on that? Play? I think it's when they're in front of the of the guy and pulling him into the end zone rather than because he was literally behind him but picked him up and then they both fell in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. McGrew weird. had a. McGrew had a nice run. I, I, you know, he struggled early in the game and then had a little bit of a breakout, but I thought the best looking back was Kamari Pleasant. Pleasant, you know, he had a little bit of stutter step and he was a little bit of a pinball in there and knocking guys over, but I was really pleased with, uh, Kamari Pleasant and just looking at the stat sheet real quick. Uh, Kamari Pleasant was, uh, 12 for 84 with a long of 17. So, uh, nice night for, uh, yeah, I, Pleasant. I, I still thought. McGrew down the stretch was the better tailback, but no, uh, Pleasant was key on that, on that last drive of the first half. It's too bad they couldn't get that touchdown because they win the game if they get that touchdown. But, um, you know, he, he, the way he was running, he wasn't going down on first contact. He was running through arm tackles, all those different things. It was, it was impressive the way he ran. And, uh, I'm sorry to say, I think those are, you know, I, I really did think Richard Newton and Cam Davis were your best two tailbacks, but, but I've got to say right now, it's Kamari Pleasant and Sean McGrew. Yeah, it's not Jimmy. Close. Jimmy said that, uh, Richard Newton's still dinged up, so he's not 100% yet, but, yeah. uh, he, d- he did travel, but, um, you know, again, you know, when on that, uh, on the fumble that Cam Newton had, did you guys see, I mean, I, I can't see the angles you have. Did, was that something that Dylan Morris should have checked out of? No, well, they uh, just showed it. Go, they just showed him going right into like a pile yeah. of humanity and all he of a sudden. Ran into the, the, he just ran into the wall instead yeah. of actually trying to make a move. Yeah. So it just looked know. like a instinctual, I'm going to take it and try to see if I can push ahead for a yard or two and just got stuffed. Yeah. Um, just, you know, I, I don't know if you could say that was on Dylan. There were a couple that I saw that Dylan didn't check out of or he checked into that where they ran right into the teeth of the defense. But for the most part, I didn't think, um, it was, um, a poor night from a play, you know, like getting in and out of plays situation for Morris. I could be wrong, but I didn't see anything bad. Egregious. Scott, Scott, give me your uh, Dylan Morris critique specifically the first half. Uh, staring down receivers. I mean, he get he just gets locked in. He knows where he wants to go, and he stares at those guys until they either break open or or he gets sacked or he throws an incompletion, whatever it is. Um, you know, and also on that um, on the uh, the last play before they kick the field goal to end the first half. Um, if you watch it, I, is it Romo Dunsey who's the underneath guy that's totally being held by one of the linebackers, but he still breaks free. And if Dylan Morris had given it just another, not even a full second, but just another hair, he, he was going to break open and be open for a touchdown, but Bynum was still open in the back of the end zone. I think Dylan can make that throw. I think he's just skittish about making mistakes, especially down there when you want to get points before the end of the half. But overall, I, I didn't think Dylan had a terrible night. Um, but he didn't, he wasn't good enough to win it. He, I, I, I thought he, there were some missed opportunities and missed plays on his part. And it's something we've seen over and over again. And everybody's calling for Sam Heward. Sam Heward isn't going to do any better right now with this offense right now. I, I just, I don't see why anybody thinks it would be any different with Sam Heward at this point. I, maybe, you know, in a year it might be different. Um, but right now I think Dylan Morris is your best chance to win. 
Well, I'd also add to you guys. I'd also add too that, you know, when Dylan's given some time to throw, as we saw on that first, on the first drive, no problems. I mean, it's, it's easy. It's pitch and catch. I mean, the pass to Bynum for the touchdown was, was beautiful. And when he's looking downfield and he's got some time to throw, he's shown that he can throw on the money. My problem is kind of twofold. First of all, like on that, on that throw in the end zone, that third down call that you just talked about, Scott, I just think that it has been ingrained in him that if he just doesn't see it or if he's not 100% sure, he's going to throw it away. He's going to live to fight another down. He's going to take the points. That's not, there's no problems with that. But over time, you basically are, are going to lose what Steve Sarkeesian used to call the stinger, the thing that makes you special, the thing that got you recruited to play quarterback at a power five program like Washington in the first place which is your playmaking ability. And that also goes to the second part, which is, you know, you see some of these plays where he's dumping down. Like if, if he doesn't see his first read, he's dumping down. Yeah, I know a lot of fans are just like, well, he, he just doesn't have it in him. He says he's just, that's just what he does. And, and he doesn't look downfield. That's all, that's all taught guys. That's all taught. That is all taught by the coaches. That is all the fundamentals yep. that yep. they teach in spring and fall to take what's given and to just try to keep the chains moving. And so yeah, it, well, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but that's that's what he's taught to do. One one of the things I want you to do this week, Chris, is uh, take a look at Pro Football Focus and just see how it just seems like they don't want to or Dylan Morris is afraid to attack the center of the field downfield at all. I know they're missing, you know, Jack Westover and Kate Otten, but uh, it just seems like short sideline passes and uh, dump downs. But, you know, anything, you know, 10 yards past the line of scrimmage at 10 to 15 and 10 to 20 yard, you know, those zones in there. It just looks like he's afraid to even attempt to throw it in there. But, you know, it, so it'll be interesting to take a look at those stats because I'm well, not yeah, seeing it. I was going to say, Kim, we're going to go into 10. It'll be a 10th game after the bye when they play UCLA. That'll be his 10th game as a starter. Yeah. 10 games will be a pretty good sample size. And I think we can make a pretty good argument that those are things that he's being taught. Because if yeah. you go back and look at what he did at Graham Kapowson, he didn't make a living just dumping the ball off and taking the easy money. He made his money by chucking the ball downfield and making big plays, splash plays. That's, that's what, that's what he did. He had, he, you know, he has plenty of arm to do it. I just think it's been coached out of him. That's my opinion. Well, I, I think it has. It just, it just seems like all the throws are behind the chains, not, I mean, you know, they're not going past the chains on the throws. So yeah, but like, a, you know, for instance, it. you talked about Jimmy Lake on the fourth and one trusting his guys. There was that one play where it was the third and eight and he threw the underneath route to McMillan. And I'm sure he fully trusts and, and all the coaches and players fully trust a guy like McMillan to take that and get yards after the catch. But he threw it I, to the point where McMillan would have had to go five, six yards on his own to get the first down. It's just, it feels like a give up play, even if maybe it's not schemed that way. It feels like a give up because there are guys down past the line to gain that you could throw the ball to, but he's not looking that way. He's looking first in and then deeper on those types of situations. And it always feels like yep. he is going to check down almost 100% of the time. That's why, to be honest with you on another thing, there was some RPOs where he actually tucked the ball and, and ran ball, ran the ball down the field a little bit. I thought that was a positive thing. I really liked the fact that he tucked it, tucked it and, and ran with it a little bit. Because it really did, I think, help maybe open things up a little bit later in the game. Because honestly, up until this point, 
I don't think Dylan Morris was respected that much as a runner in these RPOs. It felt more like a read give than an actual read option. Right. And Scott, we saw, we saw a new wrinkle today with three running backs in the backfield on the, on the Wildcat with Kamari Pleasant, Cam Davis and Sean McGrew all in the backfield at the same time with Dylan Morris split out wide. And they had a lot of success with it. Yeah. it was, I think, I think it took Oregon State by surprise. Yeah. I, I was a little surprised by it too, honestly, um, to see the three guys back there. And I was honestly surprised to see them have as much success as they had. Because Oregon State's usually a pretty good tackling team, and Washington was able to break some runs, uh, some long runs. Um, they talked about it in the um, in the third or in the fourth quarter, halfway through the fourth quarter, Washington had had um, six or seven plays of over, I think it was six plays over 15 yards, and Oregon State hadn't had any. And then. Um, you know, that last drive by Oregon State, they got a couple big gashing runs. But, you know, Washington was able to do some things, and it was kind of fun to watch. I mean, I look, I, I know people are ticked off and all that stuff. If you don't have a rooting interest in this team um, in, in, in Washington, that was a great game tonight to watch. That was oh, yeah. fun. Yeah, I mean, it was the neutral for sure. Yeah, for a neutral person, it's fun to watch. And I saw progress by Washington. I'm not saying it was, you know, it was all rainbows and and puppy dogs and all that stuff. But I don't see it as this bad, terrible thing that these that everybody that I've seen people react to. I as as frustrating as it was, because Washington should have won this game, um, you know, they, they they showed some mental toughness to come back and get it done. They just didn't get it done completely. Run defense, Chris Fetters. They're struggling. I know that, you know, Oregon State's the best uh, running team in the conference, but, you know, they struggled all year stopping the run. Kim, I want, I want your opinion on something. At the end of the game, did it look like they were trying to give up the touchdown late so they could get the ball back? Jimmy actually talked about that, and you know, but he said that, uh, you know, the guys on the other side knew that was their game plan too, and that's why they started taking a knee as yeah. well. Because it looked like so. Alex Cook, well, it looked like Alex Cook basically get Olaid on him, and it looked intentional, and the only reason it was, uh, I think it was uh, Fenwick that was running the ball yep. at the time. Yep. And the only reason he didn't score is because he fell down. He, he fell yeah. all over himself. Yeah, he said I think he was expecting it. to get hit by Cook. Yeah. And yeah. so his he, he kind of readied himself for it. And then when it didn't come, he was like, uh, <laughs> he fell. So, and, and yeah, so I, I don't know if that was a, I don't know if that would have been a sound strategy. I think, you know, you have to kind of result. It was brought up. It was yeah, but you have to kind of resign yourself to the worst case scenario to just try and get the ball back so you can tie the game at some point. Um, but yeah, obviously once, once it was pretty clear that Oregon State could see that Washington was willing to accede the touchdown, that's what kind of forced Jonathan Smith's hand to go ahead and just play for the field goal. Yeah, Oregon State, uh, where's the rushing? But yeah, running this year? the ball, I mean, they had 242 yards. Um, you know, they're, again, they did everything you'd expect the top running uh, team in the Pac-12 to do. They did it with a few different guys. Yeah, B.J. Baylor, 20 carries for 111 yards. Uh, Deshaun Fenwick, 12 carries for 70 yards. So they had 242 yards total uh, on the ground. Now, the pass defense was really good, and uh, Trent McDuffie coming back, and Jimmy said he's still not 100%. But, you know, after we saw Nolan last week carve up USC and look fantastic, the pass defense was pretty good. But, you know, heck, when you can run the ball like Oregon State – 
did, why throw the ball? Well, I was going to say, I think there was the one pass to Gould, that, that 22-yarder down the field where it felt like kind of a, a, a hopeful throw where he just kind of threw it out there and the receiver ran underneath it down the field. That was the kind of throw that Nolan was was completing against USC with regularity and, and made him look like an absolute genius against USC. Washington only allowed that to happen once. And to, to only allow them 48 passing yards, yes, I understand a lot of that is because Oregon State was running the ball that well. But I think ultimately – you know, when we take into account what Scott was saying early on about how many short fields they had to work with to score points, yeah, this could have been a much different result if they had been able to have, uh, avoid the the turnovers and um, yep. had just you know basically tried to uh, you know force them to go long fields and play the and play the punt the punt game. Oregon State had 50, 50 rush attempts out of sixty five total plays. Yeah. Not exactly balanced, but uh, Washington has 61 plays and uh, 35 rushing attempts. But, you know, you just taking a look at some of the stat sheets, net yards rushing. Washington, you know, nice day on the ground, 176-yard running. Oregon State, 242 net yards passing. Oregon State only had 48 net yards passing. Washington, I think the, the number's a little low, down to uh, – 142 total offensive yards. Washington outgained Oregon State 318 to 290. Uh, third down conversions, not a bad day by Washington. 6 of 14, 6 of 13 for Oregon State. And for those curious, Dylan Morris was 17 of 26 for 142. He had one touchdown along of 44, uh, another big number. He was sacked three times. Leading receiver on the night, Terrell Bynum, nine carries for 61 yards. So again, uh, you know, that's not exactly throwing it. Five catches, five catches. They've got nine on the stat sheet. No, it's not. No, nine. it's nine targets. Nine oh, targets. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Five for 61 with a long of 44. Um, Kamari Pleasant, three for 30. And big night for Eddie Ulafosio with 16 tackles. Sam Taimani, uh, that's a big nut. Sam with nine, that's a big number for a defensive tackle, but they ran the ball a lot. Jackson Sermon with eight. Alex Cook with six. But uh, and, Thule, and Thule had six as well. Yeah, and I said this to one of the, I said this to uh, one of the UW officials. Washington fans are spoiled. They've had some really great announcers. I mean, I'm on the road and I try to listen to the opposition's radio broadcast because I'm down on the field and I can get more information that way. You guys are lucky. Tony Gastricone is really good. Bob Rondo is really good. These Oregon State guys. Yeah, it, it was, it was Tully. Yeah, I can't remember the rest. You don't remember you don't like Mike this. Parker? Mike Parker's a legend oh, down there. Oh, okay. Let him be a legend. That broadcast was brutal. And then, you know, it's just that, um, yeah, I mean, it was just, like I said, I think Washington fans should appreciate Tony for what he is because he's pretty good compared to some of these other guys I'm hearing on the road. So, anyways, uh, anything else we need to cover, guys? I got to drive back to Portland. Well, I think there was, you know, there's obviously there was some consideration going into this game as to what the future of John Donovan might be like. I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, I, I just get the sense that Jimmy Lake is probably going to see enough in that in that offensive performance. And I know that's probably going to really upset a lot of fans out there and I don't necessarily blame them, but I think he's going to use that as his rationale to say, Hey, we're, we're starting to come through on some things. We're, we're working some things out. We're learning some more things about uh, our offense. Again, the move from MJ Ale, 
uh, from Julius Bulow. Who knows if that's going to end up being a permanent thing again. Um, uh, Matteo Mele played a little bit of right tackle uh, uh, tonight instead of um, Vic Kern, but I, I saw Kern back in there later, so I don't know if that was just a short-term deal or not. But, um, yeah, this is just – it's just uh, – Honestly, I, I hope that Washington fans in the end give more credence to, to what Oregon State was able to do. That's a 4-0 team. That's a team that utterly destroyed USC on the road. And so to come back, and, and I think they probably did have a little bit of a hangover considering how Washington started the game off, and it looked like Washington was really going to give them a run for their money. And then the second half, I think people should be heartened as well because we've seen in the past how if 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 – the opposition gets a little bit of an upper hand, guys. They can sometimes go into their shell, but I thought the defense obviously stepped up, made some huge plays. That that play by Fatu Tuatele, that fumble. The fact that that was outside the tackles, too. That's the second yeah, one, yeah. too, because yeah. that first one was the one against Arkansas State that was yeah. the 72-yard fumble, uh, scoop and score. And, yeah. and Taimani, I think, boy, I think he's going to have nightmares about not scooping and scoring that thing. But as it turned out, it wasn't, you know, it didn't matter, but, uh, I just think overall, it's just, it was just a really, I thought in some ways it was a very sloppy game. And in other ways, I thought it was two teams just playing their guts out in a, in a really important game. And the home team came out on top and uh, it was a big game in front of their, in front of their students. First game back. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say really. Scott Eklund. I, it's hard not to just say good job, Chris, and call it a night. <laughs> you know, I, I agree with all that. I think. This was an f- entertaining game to watch. I, I was entertained by it. I, I, and I, you know, I can understand some frustrations by people, but man, I, I saw progress by the Huskies. I saw mistakes. I saw, I saw some guys stepping up. I saw some younger guys starting to make plays. There's a great picture of us from the USA Today, uh, photo, photos that we get to pull from and, uh, Fa'atui Tuatelli. It's when he's, making his his uh sack on Chance Nolan and he's running up behind Nolan and reaching out for him and and you're just like I cannot imagine playing D1 football with that guy running at me. You know, um <laughs> just it is a fun game to watch. It's frustrating that Washington loses and now they have to have that bitter taste in their mouth for the next 2 weeks. As I'm watch- as we're doing this, I'm watching UCLA get their butts handed to them by Arizona State 39-23 right now with about 427 left. Washington's next opponent is UCLA, guys. UCLA is a talented team and a good team, but they, they aren't unbeatable. And every team on this, on Washington's, uh, schedule the rest of the way is beatable by Washington. I know people will disagree with me on that. The Huskies can be anybody else on their schedule. Okay, and it's really going to take them getting some mental fortitude and, and getting some wins and hopefully getting a little healthy over this uh, bye week. I understand the fans are pissed off and angry, but at some point you just got to get over it. And, uh, you know, just I mean, screaming for a week and just the nonstop. I mean, just I mean, you got to enjoy the sport at somewhere along the line and look for some positives and some things. And they're two and three. And, yeah, it's not great, but. You know, let's see, let's see if they can turn it around, but just the constant just banging and just, you know, just banging the fists. It's, it just wears people out. But, you know, like you guys said, we saw a lot of good things tonight. We saw some bad things. We saw some good things. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, we'll see if there's a change at offensive coordinator. The big thing is if you change an offensive coordinator in the middle of the season, then what? 
I mean, there's not a logical person to take over. There's just not, you know, it's so, uh, you know, it's just, I don't, I, I just don't see it happening. Um, so we'll see. We get Jimmy Lake on Monday and that's the only that, media that's availability yeah. we have next week. So we have nothing else. So, uh, you know, uh, on another front, basketball season, basketball practice has started. So look for some, uh, increased coverage of some hoops. So. We'll go ahead and end it here. Again, Washington loses to Oregon State on the road, 27 to 24. Announced crowd of 33,733, and I think 30,000 of those were students. So, uh, good showing by Oregon State down here. So, uh, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Go dogs. <laughs>